Looking at my Hi. Hello. It's men at work. But I'm the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, and welcome. You are listening to the Home Wrecker Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, Monique. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you this week? I am fabulous, thank you. How Tremendous. Are you? Well, we got men at work going, so I'm good. Nice. I'm doing great, yes. And I got to tell you, before we get into today's show, or the topic of today's show, I've had an amazing day so far today. Yeah, today has been pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you why my day has been so amazing. You're never going to guess. I mentioned it earlier. Let's see if you, if you can guess why I've had such an amazing day. You, I, I remember you mentioning it. All right, you're taking way too long. Okay. This is a podcast. You can't have too much dead air. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I made eggs earlier That's and right. I didn't break the yolks for the first time in I don't know how long. I made three eggs over easy and my freaking yolks did not break. That's like the first time in forever. In forever. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, the the pots we're using, the spatula, whatever it is, or not the pots, the pans, what you know what I mean. I cannot flip over a freaking egg and not break the yolk. I used to be awesome at it. Well, no, it's the pans because we had regular Teflon pans and after a while pieces of like the pan were like coming up or it's the Teflon that would come up and bits of it would get in our food. Yeah. And we thought, yeah, this isn't good. So we started, we went to cast iron, but I did everything I was supposed to for them. I seasoned them and everything and everything still stuck. Everything. So then we went to the type of pans that aren't Teflon, but they're nonstick. We tried the copper pans, but none of it works. No, none of them work. I mean, certain things like scrambled eggs, it's fine. But if you want just a regular egg over easy, it breaks the yolk, it sticks. We have no luck. Yes. This was the first time today that I was able to make all of my eggs and not break the freaking yolks. It's like all the planets and stars have to be aligned Unbelievable. in order for this to happen. It's been so long since I've been able to make my eggs and not break the damn yolks that I had to mention it. It, it. Something went right today. It's just been a great day because of that. <laughs> as mundane and, and silly and trivial as that may be, it's not. Believe me, it's not because it's been so long since I've been able to do that. So I had to mention it. I just figured I'm going to to open the show with that awesome fact hey it's the little things in life it, it right? is it really is it, it, it is and that goes for everybody no matter how mundane or trivial you think something may be it may very well be exciting to somebody else so yeah, sure. if, if you're one of those people that has trouble with your eggs i was one of those people too you might appreciate this so part. you might appreciate that i just wanted to mention it anyhow getting on to today's topic we are we're revisiting Missing 411. We talked about this last year, mm-hmm. and we said we'd come back to it. We we spoke previously about the movies, the two documentary movies, but those documentary movies would not have been possible had the author or the, the movie maker, David Politis, had he not written his books at first. 
So we are now diving into the books that those movies were uh, born from, I guess would be the right way of saying it. And we're going to dive into the Missing 411 Eastern United States book today. And we're just going to talk about a couple of cases and we're going to we're going to focus on New England because that's where we're stationed. That's where we're located. We live in New Hampshire. So we're going to cover a couple of cases that are closer to us. And we're definitely going to revisit this again in the future because there's just so many different stories and, and cases. And he's he's now expanded his search. He's pretty much gone worldwide. And he's looking at all the disappearances around the world that... Uh, fit the criteria for a missing 411 case. And one of the things I just want to bring up from our last missing 411 episode, uh, on our social media, I had tweeted out, uh, we did a sound clip and we brought up, could missing 411 disappearances have something to do with the Skinwalker Ranch? And Chris Bartell was somebody who actually worked on the Skinwalker Ranch. And he commented, not that I recall. And so it was just interesting because I started following him and some of his discussions on the Skinwalker Ranch. This is somebody when Bob Bigelow bought it, somebody who basically was working on the ranch all the time. And so he didn't see anything in common. So apparently one of my theories got shot down. Well, it happens. That's okay. We have a hundred more theories. Yeah, of course. But that's that's the thing with these. There's there's so many different things that you think it could be. And then... You look into it and no, it's not because of whatever, some circumstance or some other variable that gets brought to light and and you realize, okay, no, it's not that. But then it just opens your mind to other possibilities that it could be. Uh, Like we talked about last episode, what, what some of our beliefs were. Honestly, my mind has changed so many times since we recorded that show. And that's that's the great that's the great thing too is you gotta always keep an open mind when you're looking into this kind of stuff because you may think ah, I figured it out I've solved it but then like we said other variables or new stories will pop up new information comes out you're like okay this changes out. it yeah and everything just changes so it's important when you're looking into anything yeah. or really. not ex- just this kind of stuff but anything keep an open mind yeah. because or you get exposed to new information you're like oh wow I didn't think about that or I didn't know about that and then that makes more sense than what you had before. So there's a lot of stuff it could be, and it's a matter of, I guess, figuring out what it is and hopefully having fun while doing so. Yeah, having fun, trying to figure out what's making people go missing. Sometimes come up dead. Thanks. Well, you're the one that said have fun. I'm trying to stay positive. So anyhow, moving (laughs) on. Moving on. All right. So let's go into the first case. What 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 do you say? Is that is that okay with you? You ready? Fine to, by are me. you ready to have some fun? Yeah. Okay. And I I'm just gonna say in advance, if you have uh small children or if hearing uh things about small children going missing or disappearing or anything like that, if that bothers you, just maybe skip ahead. Uh because we are gonna or or maybe just skip the episode entirely because uh, some of this stuff could bother you. I mean, reading anything about small children going missing or anything like that, having small children ourselves scares me. It, it's not that I am, am triggered by it or, or anything like that, but just anybody out there that if, if this is ma- subject matter that might be uh, of a sensitive nature, uh, just, just a quick warning for you. That's all. So turn it off if you don't want to hear it. Um, 
but the three cases that I have chosen, I'm just going to tell you, they're not that bad. I guess it, that's subjective for anybody, but they're not that bad. There's nothing gory. Uh, so just, I just wanted to toss that disclaimer in there. I mean, you're looking at me like, who cares? But I just want to, I'm trying to be cognizant of anybody who might be listening because. I'm not looking at you like, who cares? I'm thinking back to the stories and some of the things that were brought up and then other that were a little worse and then other things where you're like, okay, that's not as bad. So I'm not looking at you like, who cares? I'm looking at you. I'm not even looking at you. I'm just thinking of the different stories that oh, we read. Oh, you're not looking at me? Come on. You're looking I'm looking through you. Wow. Okay. So let's get, let's get moving here. Enough of the silliness talking about eggs, talking about all kinds of wackiness. Okay, let's let's get on track. So the first case uh, that we're going to talk about took place back in 1911 on July 30th. And we're going to go all the way up to the state of Maine. Howe Hill, Maine. And we're going to talk about Elsie M. Davis. Have you ever heard of this town in Maine before? Never. Me neither. So I don't know if it's, it must be just a really small town or maybe it doesn't even exist anymore. I don't know. This took place back in 1911. So this young lady, and I say young lady because she was 24 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was five foot six and weighed 135 pounds. She went missing at noontime. Apparently, she was an organist at her, her church. church, and she was playing that day mm-hmm. at, at church and went home, and she was discovered. it was discovered that she was missing around noontime. I, I don't, I'm not sure who figured out she was missing. It didn't really specify if she lived with anybody or, or why. I thought anybody she lived would. with her parents. It didn't really, did it say that? That's I, what it, I think. It was I kind thought. of the impression you're given, but it wasn't really spelled out, so we'll, we'll go with that. We'll just say... We'll, we'll make that assumption. I think it's a safe bet. They looked for her and they couldn't find her anywhere, so they called the police, as you do. do you do, would do, hope. Do, yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> you, you were looking like you were going to say something, so feel free to jump in. I'm just any, thinking like, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if somebody was missing, and it's funny because in a lot of these stories you read in the book from years ago, not everyone calls right, the police right away. They call their neighbors. They do a search first. And then they kind of exhaust all options. And then they call the police. Whereas now, like, people barely check their house and they call 911. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, if you think, you think about it, a lot of these cases that we're looking at, like this one in particular, 1911. Yeah. I think that was over 100 years ago. Obviously, things have changed and society's different. Oh, absolutely. Back then, did, were there even telephones that you could use to call? Did everybody have a telephone? They, I don't think I mean, they did. In this case, it seemed like they did. But in 1911? Yeah, I think. Was that one where they mentioned she called the sheriff? No. Oh, okay. I might be thinking... I read you're, you're, so many of these. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's. Diff- I, I'm, they, I'm looking kinda, at my notes yeah. here. Yeah, so it is difficult. They, they all do kind of. One thing that was really nice, and a lot of these very older ones, about all the people who came out, the whole entire community came out and helped search. Yeah, well, think about it. it it's that's what it was back I then. Know. You didn't, it, there wasn't TVs in anybody's house. Very few people had radio. It was all community. Everybody would talk to their neighbors. You knew everybody knew everybody else. It was kind of it was community. That's how it was back then. So it's like you said, over a hundred years ago. I appreciated that. I guess. Yeah. So anyhow, getting back back on task here, she goes missing. The parents notify the police, and immediately they start a search. Big search group. 
a, a bunch of volunteers get together and she went missing for five days. Mm-hmm. There ended up being a, a clairvoyant is there what it said. There was a psychic. Well, yes. they said clairvoyant. So yeah, a psychic mm-hmm. who wrote out a handwritten note saying that she would be found somewhere up in a tree mm-hmm. deep in the woods. Yeah, to look up. To look up. So if you're looking in the woods to look up, mm-hmm. that she's going to be found in a tree, which I thought that was kind of strange. Like, okay, a psychic gets involved here. So on the fifth day, I, I believe the psychic's note was was written or they found, it didn't really say, it just said that a, a psychic wrote a note. It was on the fourth day of her disappearance. So on the fifth day, the searchers are going deeper and deeper into the woods. Oh, uh, and I, I left out a, a they found uh, her comb and some tracks uh, behind her house in the woods. Uh, several footprints were found um, in the hills behind her home. So anyhow, on the fifth day, they're in an area almost three miles into a very uh, into very rugged and thick woods. So the woods are thick, they're dense. Remember, this is 1911. Yeah. So there's not, it's not like there's tons of roads and trails and things like that. So they're three miles into these very rugged and thick woods, and they found a number of her personal items. They found her hosiery, her coat, and her shoes all scattered on the ground. So now they're three miles into the thick woods, and so they they find these items, and they just they decide, well, we're going to keep going deeper in the direction that these clothes were. So they keep going deeper into the woods, and they heard a stick break. Mm-hmm. So they keep going deeper into the woods, and under a large pine tree, they thought they heard something above them. So they look up, and 20 feet up in the tree is a scantily clothed Elsie Davis. So the psychic, the clairvoyant, she was right. She mm-hmm. must have had this vision, and they looked up, and sure enough, there she is. She's 20 feet up in a tree. So they're calling to her and trying to get her to come down. Hey, we're, you know, We found you, whatever they're saying to her. And she doesn't answer any of them when they're calling to her. So a couple of the searchers made their way up the tree, and they found that she seemed very confused and she was unable to speak. She would not talk to them. And she just had that look of confusion on her face. Yeah, she was out of it, yeah, it like seemed. Just out, yeah, yeah. So they're able to get her down off the tree and her father was able to snap her out of it to a point where she was kind of responsive and, and, and the way the text wrote, uh, they were able to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Now, she didn't say anything but she did lay her head on her dad's shoulder. So she must have realized or recognized his voice, his presence, his look, whatever it was. In her dazed confusion, she realized this was somebody that either she recognized him as her father or she just recognized it was a, a good presence or, or yeah. somebody that she knew. So she put her head on his, on his shoulder, but she still hadn't said anything. No, no words were, were spoken by her. And it seemed like, she, from what I read, it made it seem like she couldn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, the Lewiston paper, the uh, the local paper in her town, uh, the Lewiston Daily, explained what happened when she got home. I'm going to read from the book. This is, this is from the article from the Lewiston Daily on August 2nd, 1911. At her home tonight, where she had been put to bed immediately after she arrived, Miss Davis was questioned briefly regarding her movements. She seemed able to recall only a little. In fact, her memory appeared to have lapsed shortly after she reached the woods Sunday until she was discovered in the tree today. Miss Davis said she remembered leaving the church Sunday morning. And then the Syracuse Morning Herald ran a story on August 6th, 1911, explaining the condition that Elsie was found in by doctors. 
I'm going to quote from that article. Quote, Miss Elsie Davis will probably recover, although slowly, from the remarkable fever and delirium of which she has been a victim. End quote. Kind of strange. She disappears. She's gone for five days. She's found 20 feet up in a freaking tree, barely wearing any clothing. She's confused. She's delirious. She can't speak. And she has no memory of what happened. Mm-hmm. Now... One could argue that, well, if she had a fever and she was ill and delirious from the fever, it was untreated because the doctor said she had a fever. Which is kind of strange in August. Hmm? You get fevers in August, really? Maybe. I don't know. But But you get sick, you get a virus. So if if she was sick, if she was going by the woods to get home from church... And she just got delirious from her fever. Maybe she was dehydrated. Maybe she kind of wandered off. The heat from the fever made her just kind of drop stuff as she was going. And maybe in her delirious state, she climbed a tree 20 feet high. One could argue. You could argue that. Now, I'm going to go back to the text here. I'm going to go to the book. And it, basically, after most of the cases, he will do a case summary and he'll he'll point out a couple of things and and give his thoughts uh, and add to the facts of the case. So I'm quoting from the book here, quote, many of the children you will read about in this book are found after being reported missing and are too young to speak or have a disability and are unable to speak. We've spoken about that in the past. Some children who are found are reported to be in a state of confusion or choose not to speak. The Davis case exemplifies the condition that is found in very small children when they are missing. The people seem to lose their memory to the point they go, at the point they go missing and then recover once in the presence of people. It's almost as though the missing are under some type of spell that eliminates memory and the ability to speak. If searchers had not specifically been looking up in the tree, it would appear that Elsie would not have been able to call to them because she could not speak. Elsie's case has every element that we have seen in many other cases, loss of clothing, inability to remember what happened to them, disappearance from a rural area, knowledge of the area in which they disappeared, fever, and found in a state of confusion about what had just happened. Now, psychics in the past have offered assistance to searchers and specifically have told them to look in trees for lost children. This has happened in the uh, Great Smoky Mountains, apparently, uh, for several cases. So psychics, for whatever reason... Not just in this case, but in other cases as well, have told searchers, look up in the trees. Mm-hmm. So what the hell's going on here? You got any guesses? I'm just thinking, could it be some form of hypnosis? Something's happening? I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. So much, so much that's just unexplainable, I guess. I mean, I, I can't explain. I'm, obviously, there's an explanation, but... With we're missing a lot of pieces of yeah. of this. It, it's there's something is causing people to lose their memory, uh, go into a trance of some kind. Something's giving them a fever. Is it a virus? Is it is it who knows? Is it a plant spore or something? Who knows? Yeah. It could, you know that's the thing. It's you know, the, it, we, the wheels get turning when you start talking that makes about no that's sense. right. We, like yeah, we like just don't said, understand yeah. it. That yeah, yeah yeah. So so that's that case. That's the first case. So they did find her. She was alive mm-hmm. and had no memory of what happened. So you've got nothing on this one, huh? Well, one thing I was just thinking about is she was found up in a tree. Yes. And how 
in other cases, people or psychics said to look up in a tree. Yes. And when you think of some of the cases where people went missing and they weren't found, is it because they were up so high dogs couldn't get the scent? And maybe they were in a tree and then after time the remains fall down and that's why they find the remains? It's where possible. they already searched. I don't know. Th- this is again things it's that possible. go through your now, mind. Now there's not always dogs on on a lot of these searches. Mm-hmm. It's and the ones where there have been dogs, a lot of times they just lose the scent. So but that's that what could, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could have something. It could be that they're just up in trees. Mm-hmm. But what the heck is bringing them up in the tree? Especially like the little kids and stuff like that. If if there've been kids that have been found in trees. Now I I off the top of my head I I can't recall of any of those cases. I'm sure that there there there's got to be some. Yeah. But how are little kids climbing up in the trees? I mean, even her, a, a, a young woman, I mean, yeah, she's in her 20s. So it's not like she's like a two-year-old or something. Yeah. But getting up that high in the tree and then just being in a daze, confused. The, if, you're, the, if you're confused, if you've got a fever, are you going to have the strength to climb yeah, 20 feet up in know. a tree? That's I think thing, maybe, you know? are you afraid? Are you running from something where you need to get off the ground and get up high enough where it can't get you? So obviously like Possibly. something that can't climb either. Or did something place her there? Yeah, that's the other thing. That's that's my thing. Is it something that placed her there? And, and then you go back to the missing 411, the hunters, the, the, excuse mm-hmm. me, the hunters, the movie, where at the end of the movie, they show that weird thing that was in the trees yeah, with, and it was big. with Mrs. Maccabee. Yeah, what 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 was that? I mean, granted, we saw a digital recreation, but her based off of her description of what it was, if there's something out there that's able to camouflage itself and just is big and mm-hmm. lives up in the trees, I mean, how often are you walking in the woods and looking up? You're not really looking up, so there could be something. There could be something there constantly, all the time, and we're just we don't look up. You know what's funny? I just you mentioned that, and then I told you about the dream I had last night, where I was with people we were in this weird golf cart thing driving through these weird woods and there were these invisible gorillas and it was like you could see the outline of it it was just really weird because as soon as you mentioned that the dream popped in my head it was just kind of bizarre that is weird yeah it may be yeah maybe i don't know invisible gorillas i don't know if that it's kind <laughs> the of the answer is invisible gorillas invisible gor- we figured it out yeah, all right that's it, it. We're just no gonna but the show maybe now. it's something meaning maybe it's a coincidence maybe we're thinking there's something out there we just can't see it's maybe natural to our earth to our planet we just don't know about it and we can't see it it blends in i would say that's it's as plausible a theory as any because other one the i've funny ever thing heard is in my dream uh, the person I was, one of the people I was with was saying, just keep going, don't stop. They don't, because they, we don't want to frighten them because they will defend themselves. So it was one of those like one star coming closer because it was curious, but you have to be careful because if you frighten them, they're going to freak out and kill you. Just, it was weird. All right. It's a strange dream. Yes, I dream a lot. Yeah, well, everybody <laughs> does. You just happen to remember I your remember dreams. I remember all my dreams and one thing I can sometimes can I can often control what I do in my dreams so that's great it's fun yeah sounds like it <laughs> but it was just kind of bizarre when you mentioned that it just popped in my head the dream I had last night yeah well I mean think about it. it it could be something like that you know get if you if you think about like everybody nowadays we've talked about this in the past we mentioned it everybody in cities for the most part you're you're living pretty close together mm-hmm. 
there's not a lot of woods. There's not a lot of trees. Everybody's yards are getting smaller and smaller. Every, it's all people just kind of all together on top of each other. But go take a drive somewhere sometime where there's woods and just look out. I mean, even just going in, in New Hampshire, if you drive up 93 north in New Hampshire and you just look at all the woods, there's so many miles of woods. Mm-hmm. So there's so much stuff out there that we don't explore. We don't know what the hell's out there because we're not out in the woods. Yeah, people go hunting, they they shoot deer, they and that kind of thing, of course, but there's so much unexplored terrain and territory. And I'm talking just New Hampshire. I mean, yeah. I remember driving cross country and going to uh going to I remember going to St. Louis uh, several years back and just driving through Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's all freaking woods. It was the most boring 4-hour drive going through that state because it's just all green with the occasional city that you drive through. But I just remember thinking, there's so much woods. It's all woods. That's why I always scoff when I hear people talk about overpopulation and this and that. It's like, are you kidding? There's so much overpopulation. Are you kidding me? It's overpopulation maybe in the cities, but there's so much land that's that's undeveloped and unexplored. I, mean, I hear that and I always laugh. I, I got into a debate about that with my brother recently about overpopulation and how it's just it's a farce. There's no there's no such thing. Not in this country. There's no way because there's so much land that you that you could go and explore and and develop. You know, but anyhow, yeah. I, there's so much that we don't know, and I think we, you and I, maybe our listeners don't know, but I think that somebody does. I think there 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 are people that know and they just keep it quiet because it's just the way it's always been. Well, are they protecting some something Possibly protecting or someone? something? Are they or trying to keep themselves and their families safe because of it? You, you don't know. Could very well be. I mean, it could be just one of those things that's always been and only a small group of people know about it mm-hmm. and just keep it quiet to, I guess, protect the rest of us if they think they're protecting us or... or or they just don't want to deal or with Or they it. don't want to deal with the, yeah. the headache and the hassle. Maybe that's why we all live so close together because our ancestors long ago knew that we have to stay together so we're not I mean, are are we really the we, we always say we're the we're the superior species on the planet. Are we really though? Or are we just the superior species in our habitat of cities? Cuz you go out in the woods, I mean, unless you have a gun and even people that have guns. Mm-hmm. As we as we saw in the Hunter's movie, the there's there's no guarantee. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But let's uh, let's go on to the second case that that we've selected for today. Uh, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. No. We're gonna go off on these tangents here and there. I can just tell. But that's what happens. You you start talking about this and like new thoughts pop for me. New thoughts pop into my head. I'm like, oh wait, it could be this. Could be. And hell, it's a podcast. We're supposed to do. We're supposed to talk about what we're thinking about, right? Absolutely. Right. So next, we're gonna go to Brighton, Massachusetts. We're going to talk about Edward Gately. This guy was two years old, so a little fella. Mm-hmm. He went missing on October 27th, 1917, again, same year as, as Elsie. And he went Wasn't miss- she 1911? Was she 1911 or was she 17? I thought you said 11. Did I say 11? You're correct. It was 1911. I'm wrong. Okay. And I'm looking at my notes. Look at that. Apologies there. I do pay attention. <laughs> Apologies. So six years later, and little Edward went missing at 10.30 a.m. Now, I'm going to refer to him as Teddy because that's what he was referred to in uh, the newspaper articles. That must be what his parents called him, but his name was Edward. 
Anyhow, at 10.30 a.m., October 27th, 1917, little Ed, Teddy, was put on the back steps of his home and given an apple. His mom told him to stay put and play with the apple while she took care of the baby. Now, the the uh, the Gateleys had two children, Edward and a baby. They didn't specify if it was a brother or sister. The way it was explained was she put him out on the back step. He was wearing a large overcoat, diaper gaiters, pants, and shoes that were tightly tied to his feet. Now, she just put him on the back step so she could take care of the baby, I'm presuming to maybe change a diaper, and then she went to get Edward to check on him. He was gone. So literally a few minutes later, after putting him on the back step, he went missing. So she immediately called the police. Uh, after she called for him several times and he didn't answer, she immediately called the police. And it mentioned that their home was four blocks from the Brighton High School. And there also happened to be a large quarry that contained water nearby. So there was a large abandoned lot near their home that was thoroughly searched early in the search and rescue process. So they had a thicket of woods, but there was a big cleared, cleared out lot. And they searched this place early on. Now, I mention that because, obviously, it's going to come into play later. Around midnight that night, a thunderstorm hit the area and wiped out all the child's tracks. So all the tracks they were following, that they were trying to figure out what direction he was going, all the tracks went, bye-bye, big thunderstorm. So weather. a weather event. Yes, like we've spoken about in the previous episode. Now, more police were called and brought to the residence in the early morning the next morning because they're starting to get desperate. Now, we know, as we've spoken about in the past, and as you've heard, I'm sure, on different TV shows, movies, it's usually within the first 24 hours, if they're not found, the chances go down significantly with each passing hour after those first 24. So they're getting desperate here. They want to try to find this kid as soon as possible before more time passes. Around 6.30 in the morning... A Sergeant M.J. Muldoon was looking through the outskirts of that vacant lot that I mentioned, right near the quarry. And he found the child calling Mama. The little boy was naked. So they found him. He's naked, and he's in the lot where they'd previously searched before. Now, thoroughly searched. They, yes, exactly. That's what, the, that's what it said. The, the, the lot was thoroughly searched, and he was not found. So they looked around and... Look at that. He's found, boom, in a spot that was previously searched. That's That that fits the missing 411 mm-hmm. MO, right? So I'm going to refer to the Boston Globe, October 29th, 1917, an article that stated, Sergeant Muldoon hastened to a clump upon the form of Teddy, stark naked, and blew from exposure to the elements. Close by the little form was a pile of baby clothing, overcoat, Hat, undershirt, underwear and drawers, pair of overalls, shoes and stockings, drenched from the heavy thunderstorm shower, which broke shortly before midnight. The article also said that the child was delirious and he was taken to the hospital and he stayed there for two days. The parents said that there was no way that he could dress himself or undress himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how. He wasn't able to. And again, remember, his shoes were on nice and tight. When his parents got the clothes from the police, his T-shirt was inside out and his shoes were pulled off his feet. So they were still tied, but they were pulled off his feet. Now, we've got a two-year-old. He can't pull his shoes off. He's tried. He he can't get them off. And they're Velcro. I mean, he could easily, yeah. you know, but 
this child, I don't think there was Velcro in 1917. These, these shoes were, were tightly tied. With laces. And they were still tied mm-hmm. when they got them back. So somehow he got his clothes off and his shoes off. The parents demanded an investigation yeah. because they said he had to have been taken. There's no other explanation. So they demanded an investigation. And, and we mentioned the lot that he was found in. It was thoroughly searched. And, and there was no sign of him. And, and obviously the surrounding area was searched. They, did, they didn't see him anywhere. There was no mention anywhere in any articles, not in the book, in, in any of the author's research or anything like that, about molestation, which if you're finding a two-year-old and he's naked, that's the first thing you're going to think. If he was taken, he must have been molested. But there was no, no talk of that, no mention of it. If he wasn't, if there was no evidence of that when, when he was in the hospital and being examined, then why were his clothes taken off? So why, you know, you know, it's just, none of it, none of it makes sense. And, and again, it fits the MO, clothing removed. Same, same with the girl, with Elsie, the, the young lady that we spoke about a minute ago. Why, why is the clothing being removed? And again, you know, delirious, just disoriented and in an area that was previously searched. It's one thing to, with older children and adults think, okay, well, they're undressing themselves. Right. It's, there's something about a small child who can't dress or undress themselves yet and how they would do that. I mean, I guess one, if it rained, maybe it's slippery, but like, you know, there's mud getting in, kind of making it easy for the shoes to slide off. I don't know. I've, I, I, I'm Again, not, I'm, I'm not trying gonna, I'm to not give it the say, benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to say it's impossible what you're saying, but it doesn't. It's not really likely. But okay, that's it's a it's a possibility. Again, this was over a hundred years ago, so yeah. we don't know. Obviously, I'm just saying, like if the on. kid's taking the shirt off, so it's inside out. Probably you would grab it by the bottom, pull it up over your head, and get it off your arms. Right. And would a little one be able to do that and not get stuck? Right. Not only that, but also was wearing an overcoat, had his diaper was off, the pants were off, the shoes were off, the socks were off, completely naked. And and the parents are adamant. There's no way. Couldn't have done it. No way. Kid didn't do it. Now, of course, I'm not going to say that it's impossible. I'm just, we're going by again. It seems unlikely. We're going by the information that we have, which is the author did research, put all his research into the book. The book is written by a former police detective. So, so he obviously, he's into the details. That's that's his whole thing. So I don't think he's leaving anything out. But does maybe some of the research that he was combing through, newspaper articles, things like that, I mean, we know those aren't always accurate 100%. So you're going by the information you have. So again, we don't know, but that was the story with, with that little fellow. So Teddy was found. So that's the second story. Thankfully, yeah, we... They found him, mm-hmm. so it's good. I always like when they're found alive. Uh, right, of course, yeah, exactly. That's the thing with any of these stories. When I start reading them, I'm like, oh boy, so they find this one, this one found yeah, or it, not? It's it's like your heart already starts breaking once you start reading it. Yeah, especially the the young kids. Yeah. That's that's why I if, gave yeah. that little disclaimer and, and yeah. warning at the beginning tough, of the show. Because it's tough, even reading these stories and some yeah. of the things. It's like as a parent, you just put yourself in that situation if that was your kid missing and yeah. that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach sets in and you just think what what would you do and yeah yeah it's just like uh, uh, you can't lose your mind you got to find your kid and of course 
Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to move on now. We're going to go forward in time just a bit. We're going to go all the way to October 7th, 1947. At 6 p.m., and we're going to go to Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire, where three-year-old Lewis Dunton went missing. So 6 p.m., October 7th, 1947. Now, Louis, 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 I'm going to call him Louis because that's just how I say it, was one of 12 kids. Now, could you imagine 12 kids? I mean, we've got three. I don't know... We 12 kids? It. I mean, could we? Uh, sure, uh, uh, of course you could, but just think about that. 12 kids. Nobody noticed he was missing until it was dinner time. Now, 12 kids. I'm going to say, all right, I understand that maybe you didn't notice that he was missing until you got everybody together to sit at the dinner table. Okay, I- I'm going to give this this mom a pass. 12 kids. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying that because that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot for any time, not even just, you know, almost 100 years ago. That's a lot for any time. Apparently, the siblings said he was last seen playing in the backyard, so they went to the backyard. No sign of him there. He wasn't answering any calls. So immediately, the police were called. Now, officers from the entire region showed up. They had nearly 100 people searching for this little guy by 10 o'clock that night. So within four hours, they've got 100 people, police officers, deputies, volunteers mm-hmm. they got they got a, a group of 100 people that's pretty amazing yeah. now they're walking the countryside with torches yelling for the boy but they're not getting a response so there there's 100 people with torches walking along the countryside walking through the woods near the area where he went missing nothing now at 1 a.m county sheriff arthur jennison arrived at the denton home with his newly acquired bloodhound queenie so we got a bloodhound here so we've got the sheriff the dog's trainer, and we've got a news person. So, I gotta say, hounds are good. Like they're great at picking up scents. Because when I was a kid, my brother and I went out in the woods and got lost. And my dad had a basset hound, Shortcake, and he grabbed her and had her smell our stuff, and she found us in the woods. Really? You never yeah. told me the story. Really? How do you not tell this story? <laughs> How have I never heard this? Not only that. But we've done a show about this particular thing, kids or people going missing in the woods. We watched two movies about this exact thing. We've talked about this exact thing several times in our lives. How have you never mentioned this before ever? Because it was across the street, the woods across the street. It wasn't like we were it at doesn't some matter. State forest. You went missing in the woods and your dad's dog found you. You've never mentioned the story. How does that happen? I'm amazing. Wow. Anyway, so basset hounds are great dogs. <laughs> and I'm bashing into the microphone here, making all, all kinds of all noise. All hounds are good. My word. How on earth? Okay. Let me try to get back on track here. Sorry, it just popped in my head. Unbelievable. When you mentioned the dog. Unbelievable. So they've got the bloodhound Queenie now. She sniffed an old pair of Lewis's shoes, Louis's shoes, and off she went. Now, the path that the dog took went directly through a nearby swamp. The way it was described, it was not an easy trek. And they went for two miles through this swamp. Now think about that. The bloodhound has picked up this two-year-old scent. The two-year-old went into a swamp and walked for two miles in the swamp, not on the path next to the swamp, not on the on the 
easier terrain, but in the actual swamp for two miles. It took almost an hour for the sheriff, the dog's trainer, and the news cameraman to get to where the story ends. So around 2 a.m., Queenie found a small game trail just off to the side of the swamp. She walked a few feet out of the swamp and stopped next to a large group of bushes. And right off the trail, the sheriff shines his light into an area and there's Lewis Dunton sitting naked under the bush. The newsman, at the moment that they saw him, the moment the light gets shined on him, the newsman's got his camera and he snapped a picture of the boy sitting in the leaves. Now, that photo ended up winning an award in 1947 for one of the best news action photos. We found the picture. Yep. I, I read that story and I was like, I need to see if I can find this. So I was able to find a picture from the news story. Above it, it says, dog finds child. And you see this little boy naked in his, you can see his belly button, but his two hands are covering his private parts. And he's just sitting in the woods. And then you see Queenie the the hound right there she found him and yeah so we'll put this picture up on our website yeah we'll we'll, we'll put the picture up so go to the website uh, homewreckerpodcast.com and you'll you'll see it there in the included in the show notes for this episode yeah crazy right yeah so now the photo shows that the kid is buried in leaves up to just below his left knee and half buried on the right leg almost like the leaves were supposed to be keeping him warm very interesting so he's found another story where they found him. Now, I'm again going to refer to the news articles because there were several about this disappearance. Yeah. Now, we mentioned that that particular photo won this newspaper reporter an award for best action photo. Mm. So congrats to that person. I, I'm assuming it was a gentleman because I don't think there was a lot of news women back in the 40s. I could be wrong. In the newspaper, The Evening Independent on October 9th, 1947, the following comment on this story was included. I'm going to quote. Still somewhat of a mystery, however, was why he removed his clothes. The only theory I have, says Sheriff Jennison, is that when it got dark, he thought it was time to go to bed, so he took his clothes off. End quote. Huh? <laughs> what? That makes no sense. But that's what the sheriff yeah. was quoted as saying in this Here's some more article. straws to grasp at. I yeah, mean, like, come on. What? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And even the author uh, mentions in the book that it doesn't make any sense. Because, again, it's night. Temperatures are dropping. It's cold. Even if you're a kid, and even if that's the routine, like let's just say that that's a kid's routine. He takes his clothes off and puts on PJs or whatever to go to sleep. It's cold outside. <laughs> wouldn't you be crying you, for your parents? Yeah, and your your human instinct to stay warm when it's cold would kick in, I would think. No matter how old you are, no matter what routine you're used to, are you really going to be cold and take your clothes off? It doesn't make sense. So anyway, even the author says that. It doesn't make any sense. The Youngstown Vindicator on October 8th, 1947, referring to this story, mentions how, quote, Still somewhat of a mystery, however, was why he removed his clothes. Little Louie just smiles when they attempt to pry the information out of him. To him, it seems a big joke, end quote. So that's kind of strange. So they try to ask him, why'd you take your clothes off? And he laughs and smiles like it's a joke. It's kind of weird. But again, this is a three-year-old, so who knows? Who knows what he saw? Who knows what took him, if anything, took him at all? Maybe the kid did just walk two miles through the frickin' swamp, as unlikely as it seems. But 
He's three, so they didn't weren't able to get any info out of him. Another newspaper article said that the only statement that any article attributes to, uh, excuse me, this wasn't a newspaper, this is the author saying that the only statement that any article attributes to Lewis is that he made a statement about collecting blueberries while he was missing. So he knew enough to do that, to collect blueberries. Maybe he got hungry. I don't know. But that's it. Well, in this book for the Missing 411 Eastern United States, there's a section about those who are collecting berries. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird thing, too. And is it related? Yeah. Is it whatever is maybe controlling these people? If there is a, a some other presence or entity or something that's controlling these people and making them do these things? Mm-hmm. We don't know. It, but yeah, that is that is interesting that there have been several that were collecting berries. Yeah. Also in the author's research, he mentions that a lot of articles did state that the boy had cuts and bruises in the photo that we're going to put on the site. Uh, shows that the boy appears dry, but it doesn't answer the question about how he managed to get through the swamps. He's been walking through swamp that took this sheriff, a dog's trainer, a dog, and a newsman an hour to get through, almost two miles of, of swamp, rough terrain. How'd this kid do it, and how did he stay dry? And he doesn't look dirty. He doesn't look dirty at all in the picture. No, he's just a little kid sitting yeah, there. Yeah, he doesn't look dirty. No. So what happened here? How did this how did this occur? That is the question. Do you have any theories at all? It's like was somebody leading him through the swamp because also how deep is the swamp? Well, it doesn't really say. I know, but it, these are the know, questions I was really wondering say. reading it. Yeah. How deep is the swamp that he's going in? Because if it's just swampy where it's like an inch or two, okay, his shoes could be dirty. I mean, it's October. It's the beginning of October, so it's not summer anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's getting kind of chilly. You know, New Hampshire yeah. falls or or autumns are, they're they're pretty chilly. They can yeah. be. I mean, I don't know what the temperature was on this particular day, but I can't imagine it was weather where you'd be taking your clothes off. It's just kind of strange, very weird. And yeah, again, through the swamp. Like, why would you walk through the swamp? Doesn't make any sense. Could have been a puckwudgie. Puckwudgie. Yeah. Callback. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I'm I just thinking Puckwudgies in New Hampshire, and they kind of lead you like the Pied Piper. You're kind of hypnotized. Very well could have been. Maybe maybe that's why he was smiling when they asked him about why he took his clothes mm. off. Who knows? If if the Puckwudgie is real from the, the different renderings and, and drawings that we've seen of it, it could be something that a little kid might think is funny or cute mm-hmm. or, you know, just something that makes it laugh. Yeah. I just wonder, could it be some kind of elemental that's out there doing this to these people? Again, we have no idea. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. The conspiracy runs deep here. We don't know what's going on. It could be a million different things. But it's just very strange. Again, clothes off. He was found alive, thankfully. Again, I, I, I kind of, I went through a bunch of the stories in this book. Yeah. And I, I purposely picked stories that we find them. They, they get found. And I, I just, thank you for that. I just kind of wanted to be a little bit more, I wanted this to be more of a, a, a an upbeat kind of episode where we can just kind of wonder what, what were these people thinking? Yeah. What could have happened? And kind of take out the, they were found dead. I didn't want that to be involved in the equation in any of these stories. 
Well, so I mean, yeah, th- that's the hard thing is when these people are the remains are found or they're never found, it makes it really difficult, you know, to have to hear about it. And obviously, it's a fact, it's truth, it's what happens, right? But man, it's just so depressing and it's so sad. But again, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Yeah, yeah. But that's why that's why I'm just saying, like in these three particular cases, everybody was found. I did that on purpose for for today's episode because I just wanted to try to focus on. Some something, something. I wanted to have three stories that ended up having a happy ending, but still had that mystery, so we could still talk about it and try to figure out what exactly was going on. And so there is a theory on our last missing four one one episode we did in October. Yeah, and I brought up some different like, what's your theory about on social media about what do you think it could be? We put our social media posts out, and somebody commented. That if you look at the cave systems in the in the U.S., it looks pretty similar to the map from Missing 411 where all these disappearances occur. The cluster map? Yeah, yeah. the cluster map. And okay. here's a map. I'm showing Alex right now of the Missing 411 map and a map of the U.S. cave system. Do you see any similarities? Yeah, like they're all... Yeah, and and they're, here's they're, the they're pretty much one. Of, yeah, yeah. If you would, if you could overlay it, they look like they're almost identical. Yeah. So we'll, we'll post this up on our website. But the really weird thing is, when I went to go find that comment today, I couldn't find it. It was gone. So the comment was erased. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the person got rid of their account. Is the post still there? I can't remember what post it was. I put four different posts. I just remember. Oh, somebody commented. And okay. I double check both our Twitter and our Instagram accounts because that's all we have. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, because we don't really post on the uh, on our website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just really weird mm. because I remember them saying that you know look at the U.S. cave systems, and they're like it, it's almost an identical match of where all these missing cases are, and then that post is gone. It's just really bizarre. So if you sent me that post, please reach out to us because I'd love to talk to you. And did you just figure that out on your own? Did you find that out somewhere? Really like to know. Yeah, but that's, it definitely, we, we spoken about this previously too, but then you just showing me again, it's like, wow, it's, if you could overlay it, cause you're showing me one the picture in the book and then you're also showing me a picture on your phone of the mm-hmm. of the cave system if you could overlay them it's it's incredible how similar yeah the the areas are so there has to be maybe something to that i would think maybe it's not related at all but it's incredibly coincidental Weird. yeah that's that's very strange now i mentioned that we don't really post on our website uh at all I, that's in an inaccurate statement we we put the new episodes and, mm-hmm. and pictures and certain links and things on our website. But we are actually going to start a forum on our website. Uh, so by the time you hear this, it should be up on the website. So feel free to go onto the forum, set up a, a username for yourself, and and let's all have some conversations. Let's yeah. talk on there. If you don't feel comfortable or if you don't have an Instagram or a Twitter, if you just don't like using those platforms, Go to the website yeah. and, and interact with us. Uh, we're we're going to be on there from time to time. I'm not going to be on there every hour of every day or anything, but we're going to be on there from time to time just kind of seeing what everybody's talking about. And uh, any questions you have, any comments you have about anything you hear on the show, we'll, we'll talk about and we'll address yeah. on the show or we'll talk to you directly on, mm-hmm. the, uh, on the message board, on the forum, on our website. So what, what's our website again, hon? It's www.homewreckerpodcast.com. 
com. Right. So check that out. Uh, fit, us, fit us there and sign up and become a member of the forum and let's have some fun. Let's yeah. let's talk you with won't each need other. Social media. Yeah, you don't need social media anymore. Just bypass it entirely if you're don't. like me and you don't want to deal with it at all. You don't have to worry about the algorithms <laughs> of people yeah. seeing what you you're posting. You don't have to worry about people censoring something yeah. that you that you're saying that may not be popular. We just ask you to be respectful. Yeah, we just ask you to be respectful. Don't put any links about anything illegal. Don't don't uh, you know, just let's keep it respectful. Let's keep it appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as as much as possible, we we appreciate that. Yeah. We don't want to have to get into the business of banning people and yeah, moderating people twenty four seven. Like, speak your mind. I mean, that. if you have some weird fringe theory, let us know. Put it out there because right. yeah. what's funny is if you think about what used to be fringe and people thought was so like, oh my gosh, tinfoil hat people and would get made fun of, and now it's like, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, just look at UFOs, and now they're like, oh yeah, there's these unidentified things that we saw. These pilots. Before, if you said you saw a UFO, people would think you're crazy. So as weird as it might seem, put it out there. We're not going to judge you. Yeah, you're talking to some very open-minded folks yes. here. So mm-hmm. yeah, anyhow, that's that's the new thing. Go uh, go over to our website at uh, homewreckerpodcast.com and uh, sign up. Create, a, create an account for yourself on the forum and uh, start posting there. Let's uh, let's get a community going yes. on there. Just talking about some of this stuff, and we're like I said, we're going to try to address as many questions as people have, or mm-hmm. any any kind of interesting theories that people have. So it'll give us something else to talk about on the show as well. So yeah, head on over to that, and then also, if you don't want to do that and you still want to reach out to us on social media, what is our Twitter account, lovely trophy wife? It is at Homewrecker Pod. Yes, and we also have an Instagram. Homewrecker podcast. There it is. Would you forget? Well, I was like you're drawing a blank there. No, because I was thinking like, do I say the at? Because when you're on Instagram, when you want to tag somebody, use the at. But okay. just in general, like it's the name. So all right. I was just like getting in a thought for a moment of like, yeah, why, why is that? <laughs> okay. I was having a little conversation in my mind. All right. Don't mind me. That yeah, believe me, I don't mind you at all. <laughs> And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes, hit that subscribe button, and if you get a minute, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. It helps us to grow the show, helps other people find the Homewrecker podcast. So thank you so much in advance. We appreciate everybody's support. Mm -hmm. That means everybody overseas, internationally, everybody here in the States, everybody all across the world. We really appreciate everybody's support. Thank you. On that note, until next time, I am. The Golden Greek Alexarion. I've been joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast. <laughs>